Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders played two games. They played three games this week. Two of them I would classify as uh, pretty damn embarrassing. And as our friend Carrie Haber said on Twitter, humbling. Uh, they were not fun to watch, <laughs> the games against the Blues and Bruins. And I'm glad they're over. Yeah, um, it was really weird that the team because they, they looked so good against the Rangers and then that first period against the Blues was basically a continuation of that game right. against the Rangers just like dom- dominating play controlling the puck controlling possession just completely owning the scoring chance battle and then Johnny Boychuk who has uh has really kind of ticked me off a little bit this week he he uh turns the puck over with a minute left in that first period against the Blues game and I'm not saying that it's because of that turnover that everything just you know kind of went to shit. But from that moment on, like it just the team looked like a, a husk of itself. It was it was really really strange that that there's so those five periods against the Blues and Bruins against the four periods against the Rangers and Blues it's completely different teams. Yeah, uh, it was really uh, we had never seen that before, and we'll, we'll talk about the Bruins game in a second, but. That game against the Blues, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a hundred percent right what you said. Like they started out, and they were awesome. And they came out. They had a two nothing lead. Jordan Eberle scored one of the prettiest goals of the season off a little give and go, uh, and they were just humming. And again, they had played really well against the Rangers. 
Yeah, they lost in overtime. There was a really bad turnover. Every, every Islander was bunched into the corner for some reason, and Mika Zibanejad just walked in and scored uh, 28 seconds in overtime. But other than that, I mean, they they ran. They had all the possession. They had all the high danger chances. They the new guy jumps in and and gets into a fight. And after he scores a goal, I mean, it was going about as well as you could possibly go. Yeah, the goalie was playing really well, but hey, that's going to happen. But they fought back. They got a point and then lost. And you, you went into the Blues game thinking, you know what? I think maybe this is a turning point for these guys. And then you watch that first period. And you're like, yeah, I was right. They have turned. The point has turned. And then they came out for the second period. Or rather, they didn't come out for the second period. And they were absolutely terrible. They just the, – and, and the funny thing was – they were terrible, but the Blues didn't score. Uh, Thomas Grice was phenomenal in that game, and I think it kind of got lost a little bit given the how it ended. But, boy, he was really good, and, and the Islanders spent almost no time in the Blues zone, and it was all St. Louis the entire time, and Grice stood on his head until about two minutes or so to go when the Blues tied the game, and then Colton Pareko won it on a wraparound that kind of in retrospect went off of Anthony Beauvillier's stick. And, you know, they got a point out of it, but as good as the point felt against the Rangers in that they, they owned the game. You know, they came back, they fought back, they got that point. The point against the blues felt terrible. It felt like they didn't deserve even this much because for, you know, 60% of the game, they were out to lunch. They were nowhere. And I don't know. I don't even think we got a real explanation as to why. I mean, it was, yeah, Andy green didn't play, but after that boy Chuck turnover, like you said, it was like, it was like they just decided to stop playing. It was, it was really disheartening to be honest. Yeah, and then that team was the one that shows up against the Bruins. Is is you were kind of hoping that all right, maybe you just kind of tip your cap to the Blues. They they suffocated the game, um, right. and hopefully there, there's a response. And it, there just really wasn't against the Bruins. And uh, I think you know the the thing was like Pajot comes in, obviously helps with with the depth and puts people. Basically, everybody's almost where they need to be. Obviously, Sezika still being out is a is a big deal for the Islanders and Pelic and Green were not playing in that game. Um, so guys were still uh, out of out of position a little bit, and you really just wish that it, this is you know a, a National Hockey League team like they it shouldn't and they're a good one. They're a team that is in the playoff race. The, these one or two guys being out, the the Pittsburgh Penguins have been without Sidney Crosby for months at a time, and Chris Letang, and and we I think we joked about uh, about it earlier in the year that any time a penguin goes down, it's like, it's not a little thing. It's like these weird, horrific injuries. And they just always seem to be <laughs> fine. Like it's just, and uh, yeah. the, the blue jackets obviously are fading a little bit now, but they've dealt with it. But the, and the, and the Islanders who were incredibly healthy last year. Yeah. Adam Pellick being out is a big deal. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a small thing, but this is a, supposed to be a contending team. So at some point you got to wonder like, what, you know, where, where why is it like why is this going off the rails so much and uh it's it's frustrating because like a guy like Johnny Boychuk who um has played he's probably played what like 60 games a year uh for basically his whole time as the Islanders given his his style of play like he 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 does play a rough game and gets hurt and uh you wonder if he's his tank is just so empty right now uh because he he looks bad and that is weighing on Nick Letty and, and then that kind of puts stress on the forward group. So it's like, it's, it's the team just still isn't at it's uh, the tank still isn't full. It's when Sezikis comes back, you hope it's better. Hopefully that with, uh, you know, green back, maybe like, you know, boy check sits a game or two and they can let Dobson play on his, the side he's most comfortable with and see if that kind of jolts the group or even if it means calling up Thomas Hickey or Sebastian Ajo, like, 
there's got to be something because the spark still isn't there and it looked like it was there but uh and and it's close like it was close like you i was at that that ranger game and you felt it like you're like this is the team like this team looks mm. exactly this team would be so hard to beat if that team that showed up against the rangers and that first period against the blues shows up in the playoffs more often you know in more periods than not they're going to be a really tough out but if the team that shows up in <laughs> the second half of those games uh, of this stretch shows up i mean they, they might not win a game and Right now, I don't, I don't really know how you can be confident that it's going to be the former and not the latter. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think we talked last week or the week before about how, you know, in order to compensate for a lot of the injuries that they've had this year, Barry Trotz has really kind of messed with the with the time on ice, and so guys, rather than you know giving Noah Dobson, for example, a regular shift where he plays, you know, whatever thirteen or so minutes. He's he's playing five minutes, but guys like Ryan Pollock and and Devon Taves and Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield are playing a lot, uh, you know, more so than they would normally. Now that's what made Andy Green's acquisition really good was because you could spread that around a little bit. But then Green gets hurt, <laughs> no fault through no fault of his own, and so like something against the game against the Blues, you think, oh man, now we're going to go back to this. But that's kind of what happened, and that's that's the vibe I was getting, particularly in the Bruins game. It just seemed like people were just tired. And, you know, even for the forwards, like, you know, they find, yeah, they finally get JG Pajot, um, and they put him in his spot in the third line, you know, and he's going to, he's made that line. I think he and Bailey and, and Dal Cole might actually have something because they, they do seem to work pretty well together. Uh, by the way, Josh Bailey was JG Pajot's roommate at the, the world championships. So yeah, how amazing is that? Thing. I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> know, right? If you could pick two guys that like just... Josh Bailey being, I would be, he's like the most surprising one. If some, if they were like, yeah, like, who do you know in this team? Who do you have history with? I, mm. it, it being, obviously we knew. Oh Bouchard, yeah, I know but Bell. Like it, Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just>, amazing. <laughs> no Bells. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but I mean, I think they do have a, have a chance here, but they just, you know, guys like Bovillier and, and Nelson, they just look tired. And, and, you know, the thing is too, I, I was uh, just thinking too, like, you know, it's hard to really judge, where this team is because they played again, they played phenomenally against the Rangers were stymied by a goalie for, for most of the time. And it happens, but I mean, the Rangers are a fairly normal team. Then they played two teams that were in the Stanley cup finals last year, uh, which is something I never hope to see ever again in my entire life um, <laughs> playing, playing them in back-to-back games and two teams that just exerted their will and just made the Islanders look like a little brother that you're playing, you know, in a pickup basketball game and you're just sort of holding his, you know, by the forehead and he can't even get around you to even get a look at the basket, let alone take a shot. And so that, you know, the Bruins game, Barry Trotz is a guy. And one of the reasons we love him is uh, he doesn't mince words. He's not a man who beats around the bush. And he came out of that press conference and he said, we lost that game in the first 10 minutes. And he was right. The first 10 minutes they spent, the Bruins spent the entirety in the Islander zone. And even if the Islanders didn't really give up a ton, they were still chasing them around their end of the ice. And then, of course, you know, what happens? Uh, 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 Varlamov gets barreled into. David Pasternak has a yawning net. He shoots that from the glass. And, of course, he's not going to miss that. And people were like, well, why are they going to challenge? The Islanders are never going to win a a ref's challenge. It just isn't going to happen, especially in a situation like that. And then they made a point on the broadcast like, well, you know, it's early in the game. They got a whole game to come back. Well, then what happens later? This is my thing with Johnny Boychuk. You know, this I've seen a lot of deflections bounce off of Islanders defensemen and into the net. It seemed like back in the old days, 
It seemed like it happened once a, a game with Scott Lachance. I don't know why that Travis used to happen. Hamannick comes to mind too. Travis Hamannick. Yeah. I mean, Andrew McDonald used to happen to yeah. all the time. We've seen it happen to Adam Pellick. Like it just happens. You know, when you're, when you're defending the front of the crease, you're around the goalie, that stuff is going to happen. And it's just part of the job, but I have never seen a deflection <laughs> go past an Islander goalie. When the guy is like 10 feet away from him, standing in the slot and the puck bounces off of his skate and like a bullet, takes a 90 degree turn and shoots right past the goalie. And that's exactly what happened to Johnny Boychuk. And you can see the look on his face. He was like, I can't friggin' believe this just happened to me. How much, how much gas was on that puck by Matt Grizzlick that just bounced off of his skate and immediately went past the goalie. I've never, and that was, that was to me the point where I'm like, there's no way they're going to win this game. Like it's just, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. for them. And uh, that was it. They were done. And they never, you know, they had a little bit of pushback in the third, but I mean, the Bruins didn't, didn't seem all that, put out by it you know yeah the islanders took their shots but the bruins you know just deflected them and got rid of them and then once brad marchand scored that third goal and then he you know got up in leo komarov's face as he should have in that situation uh that game was effectively over which really sucked because the pregame ceremony for butch goring's number retirement was kind of awesome (laughs) and you know you'd hope that it would have sparked the islanders to a great performance but alas it did not and uh, that was one of the probably the worst games they've played all year and Yes, the opponent was very, very good, but man, that was that was pretty yeah. demoralizing. It's, they, it was no fun to watch. They didn't. They made it as easy as possible on the Bruins, yes. which is uh, tough because they they actually had played them pretty well the past two games, right? So they they lost yeah. in, that. Uh, they had a huge game against them after that that terrible Nashville game. They yeah, came back right, and right, yeah, beat them in overtime. Yeah, so and uh, it's the the Komarov thing was pissing me off because Leo Komarov and Brad Marchand have a lot in common. And none of it has to do with their skill. Like, none of it. <laughs> Brad Marchand is great. He's a really good player and is just, he's got the that, you know, pest in him that, I don't know, Pat Verbeek, Sean Avery, but he's he's so good that it it, it adds to his, his, his like, skill set. Leo Komarov getting goaded into that is just terrible for every, every nothing good is going to come out of that. It's not only going to light a fire under Marchand, and how he then knows that, like, all right, now I got Leo and eating out of the palm of my hand. And he scores, obviously. And then uh, he he just he was really annoying the past two games too. I think, uh, and and the the fact that he is still playing top six minutes just shows you, yeah, no, this team is not where it's supposed to be yet. Uh, and thank God that they are uh, kind of getting some lucky breaks outside of. Uh, outside of their own games with with the way everybody else in the metro is playing and, and injuries and stuff but because uh it's it's it the I think the best way I can put the way Komarov and uh Boychuk have been the past two games is uh, unacceptable uh for a contender like it's just bad and mm. and I try so hard not to get you know really mad at because at, at, there's nothing you can do like I'm me being mad at the fact that Johnny Boychuk and Leo Komarov are struggling isn't going to Barry Trotz isn't going to say, "Yep, nope, the fans are mad. I'm not going to play them anymore" because he has no choice. Like there's just no, nothing else. But uh, it's it's been tough not to not to get frustrated with a couple of uh, performances from from these guys, and it's weighing on everyone else. I mean, Letty's been looking bad the past couple of games because I think a lot of it is that he's being weighed down. At least that's what I hope. Uh, on the bright side, though, uh, Devon Taves uh, looks sensational. Uh, Maybe not against the Bruins as much, but against the Rangers, uh, the first period against the the Blues uh, in the, the those two games when they beat up on the Sharks and Red Wings, like he looks like he's he's finding that that form that he had uh, 
in towards the second half last last season. So there there are like these these bright spots, but it's they can't get weighed down. The the anchors are still they're still getting weighed down by by the anchors, and that that's going to have to change. And uh, like it or not, like if you if you make it to the playoffs, they're going to lose bodies, and the Islanders don't have the the depth to to win a war of attrition right now. So sure, like no matter who who makes it to the Stanley Cup and goes on a run of the playoffs, they're going to get lucky. Like hockey is basically eighty percent lucky, ten percent getting <laughs> hot at the right time, and then ten percent skill. And you know, if, or, and including goaltending, obviously, is part of that luck. But uh, the Islanders are going to need to catch a lot of breaks if they want to uh, continue playing this kind of style and think that they are uh, a team that's going to be able to win a round or two. I have some good news, though. There there are a couple of silver linings to as bad as this week was. There are a couple of silver linings. Number one, they won't see the Bruins or Blues until either the Eastern Conference Finals or Stanley Cup Finals, respectively. So we can put those guys to bed, thankfully. Uh, and if they, like you said, if they even make it that far, well, they got a lot of luck and a lot of help along the way. The second good thing is that Nobody in the Metro outside of Philadelphia can win consistently right now. The, the Rangers had been on a tear. They played the Flyers and they got snuffed out like an old cigarette. They just got put out and they're, you know, uh, they lost both of these last two games pretty badly and it, it brought them back down to earth in a hard way. The Penguins have lost six in a row. The Caps can't buy a win. The Blue Jackets were the hottest team in the league for two months and they've come down crashing hard again. The Hurricanes haven't really kind of turned around since the deadline. So, you know, in a way, uh, the Islanders haven't lost that much ground, but they've everybody has lost games to play. So with the games that are left, the Islanders need to make the most hay that they possibly can with them. And then the other thing I was thinking of, too, is and this is kind of a more long term thing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about these sort of potpourri topics uh, in the second half. Um, but it does feel that the Islanders are working towards something. And at the trade deadline, we had found out that, you know, maybe there was a situation where they would have acquired um, uh, um, Zach Parisi from Minnesota uh, for Andrew Ladd and maybe something else. And, you know, the fact that they got Ladd to agree to go somewhere uh, tells me that Lou Lamorello can make things happen. So I don't, I do think that maybe, you know, we don't have, we won't have to see too much more Leo Komarov necessarily in the future, but that's, for another time right now, like you said, this is the lineup. And even with Pajot, um, you know, they're going to need to play those guys. So when Casey Zizekas comes back, maybe Leo's out, but you know, it's not just him. We don't want to pin it on Leo. I mean, they just, again, against the right. Bruins, they just look tired. They just look like, you know, they just had, had nothing and they were just being thrown off. Like it was, uh, there was, they couldn't even play the puck because the Bruins were just, stop them, take the puck and go the other way. And it was incredibly frustrating and just demoralizing. Like you said, if this is an NHL team, it shouldn't look like this. There should be some kind of pushback at least a little bit, but it never came. Yeah. The, uh, I do, I do agree with, like, I think there is still a lot more good than bad with this team. It's just, there is, it, it is frustrating because the, the opportunity, uh, for a big right. week was actually there. Like had, had they, they, they t- fully deserved the two points against the Rangers and, they did not deserve the two points against the Bruins, uh, the Blues. So you think, all right, they get two points from those games. That's about what they wanted, uh, what they deserved. And then you just hope that you know maybe maybe they they uh, can can steal a point or two, even though they're at home against the Bruins, and and put a, even more distance. And I mean, there were some really great moments from the week, especially in that Ranger game. I mean, Pajot, good God, like 
Mm. You, you, so what, he's a legend. He's already yeah, a like, legend. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was saying the last last episode, and I say this about Barzell too. He's he's different, a different kind of romantic. But like Pajot is very, uh, he's he's a romantic kind of player too. And that was maybe the most romantic debut I've ever seen in from a from a first from an Islander. Like it was just unbelievable. Uh, that hit. Uh, my seats are kind of in the corner uh, in the Islanders defensive zone where they're defending twice. Uh, and uh, it would be on Varlam, Var- Varlama's right. So I saw the Dal Cole hit and I had a great view of just Paggio and like the, the yard sale that happened afterwards. And it, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, the, the, just the atmosphere from that fight on was just wild. And you just, the, the, the whole team just standing up and banging sticks. And I mean, what a, what a great way to just be like, I know I'm here and I'm going to help. There was that was amazing, um, so there were there were really great moments. I thought like Dal Coles looked, and and maybe I, I think I can be accused of uh, giving Dal Cole more uh, credit than maybe he's due because at some point you do have to to produce, uh, especially yeah when you're that would be you know, nice <laughs> yeah right. But but he's looked he's looked really good uh, with Pajot and Bailey. Like that line that line looks good. It looks like the Islanders do have three or almost three lines when uh, they just need you know, to get Sezikis back. So Broussard can play full time next to uh, his friend Tito and, and Brock, but like there, there is, there is good there. And, and this, this isn't a hopeless season. It's just, they need to be good enough. These next, you know, eight games or whatever, whatever else it's going to be till Sezikis is back to, to stay in a spot where they're, they're, uh, they're not chasing. Cause this team is not going to be, be one that's going to be able to catch teams in front of it. Uh, they need, they're, they're fine at treading water and, uh, kind of getting by the skin of their teeth, like that's that's kind of been their mo since Trotz comes over, is that they are comfortable in these uncomfortable situations. But if they fall behind in this playoff race, it's 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 a big problem, and that's that's my biggest concern. And what's keeping me up at night is that this team is they they obviously we'll talk about them later. They have two very winnable games this week, and uh, they are now at the point where. There is no, there's no margin for error. And uh, I, I do also want to say like how great the NHL has been this season that people always talk about the regular season being too long um, and that, you know, the playoffs kind of lose their luster in an 82 game season. But I mean, the playoffs started on like February 10th this year for basically half the league. It's, it's been <laughs> awesome because everyone's so bunched yeah. up behind the Bruins. And I mean, even the caps are getting kind of sucked into it. And uh, it's just, it's mm. just, it's been wild. It's been a lot of fun uh, to be able, there's meaningful games for the Islanders every night because, you know, tonight the, the Blue Jackets and the Panthers were playing uh, last night, the, or yeah, like the Hurricanes played last night. It's just, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, yeah. it's, pre- it's pretty horrifying. I mean, for some of us, the playoffs have been going on the entire season. <laughs> That's the way it always <laughs> yeah, feels yeah, yeah. with the Islanders. Cause like you said, like their margin for error is always, is always very thin, but um, yeah, they do have uh, the schedule does get a, a little bit. I don't want to say that I hate saying the word soft because the game, a soft game, is only soft if you make it soft. Um, but the good news is again, they don't have any Blues or Bruins games on the horizon this week. They do have a game Tuesday against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they have a game on Thursday in Ottawa. You could bet that JG Joe has that one circled on his calendar, and then they have a Saturday matinee against the Hurricanes uh, at the Coliseum. You know, I, we've talked at nauseum about the Hurricanes and the problems that they give the Islanders. So I'm hoping that some some uh, matinee magic uh, can happen there, and maybe 
they kept they catch Carolina napping and uh you know they can kind of make some hay there but the two games against Montreal and Ottawa I mean the Islanders you know we say this all the time and then they go out and lose them but uh they really need to win both of these games and I mean if you pick up four points there uh two very winnable games the Habs cannot hold a lead to save their lives uh they just every time they get a two goal lead they end up either going to they end up going to overtime and generally losing but sometimes they win like they did Saturday uh the Senators we all know what they're like now I mean it's literally a complete collection of nobodies at this point. Uh, And so these are four points right there on the table. And if you get those four points, regardless of what everybody else does, you've done yourself a huge, 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 huge favor, Uh, especially if, you know, the the Metro teams continue the way they are continuing, then you've done yourself an even bigger favor. If they can get a point or better still two out of that Carolina game, then, you know, a lot of the worry from the last week goes away and you've gotten give yourself a little bit more of a cushion before you head out to the Western Canada swing, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. We'll talk about that when it comes. But, uh, you know, those are tough games to win in the middle of the week. Uh, you know, you don't have a lot of rest and you got to come right back and play the Penguins in Pittsburgh. So these two games right now, you know, you wouldn't look at them. You wouldn't know to look at them on the schedule, but have, you know, two two hugely important games against two very, very beatable opponents. Uh, and to leave anything on the table would be just a monumental disaster. And I really hope they don't do that. Yeah. And, and the thing, like you said, like these are beatable games. The Islanders will be uh, favorites in both to win. And but the the Canadians are good, still good at five on five team and uh, I think they're like third in the league in expected goals percentage this year. So they're they're like they're just a tough out. Uh, even though the Islanders need to win and should win this game, they uh, it's not that, that's not going to be an easy one. That one's going to really scare me until it's over. But right. uh, yeah, nothing nothing short of really four points, or if you want to say five from the next six, or even six from six is kind of acceptable at this point. Uh, but like we've been saying, they they've been granted uh, a little bit of. A uh, longer leash just from from their friends in the metro. Which, what a weird division this year. Because <laughs> while the Islanders were going on their 17 game jaunt through the through the schedule, so were the Capitals and the Hurricanes weren't losing. Uh, the you know it's just no the Blue Jackets were getting hot. Nobody was losing, and then all of a sudden they all decide they all decide to lose at the same time, except for the except for the Flyers and the Rangers up until Friday, but. It's just what like the way it's just shaped out has been so weird because if if you had told me two months ago that the Islanders would be you know what I think they're two five and two uh, mm-hmm. since February tenth or something like that the last game I would be like oh yeah they're they're not going to make the playoffs I guess because you can't you can't go on a stretch like that and and when you're in the uh, when you're when you're uh, in the when, when you're in a playoff hunt but the uh, the the rest of the the rest of the division somehow is doing the same thing. I, and the Hurricanes especially are weird to me because they they do all these – they made all those moves at the deadline, like Trocek and Brady Shea. And people were like, oh, no. This, they, yeah, Brady Shea. Like they, 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 people were, were praising them. They're like, oh, no, they're, they're loading back up. But they forgot to address the fact that they don't have a goalie. Like literally don't have a goalie. <laughs> and, and, and nobody – because the Hurricanes, you know, employ some former uh, – popular hockey analytics writers like that means that they didn't they didn't screw it up but you know the goaltending is 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 as fickle as is, is is important and the hurricanes have been bleeding defensively for a while and brady shea and sammy vatten and yes they're warm bodies and nhl defenders but they don't really they don't really play that great defensively so they're they're in like a precarious spot too so i would say from 
the Islanders basically down to the Panthers. If you want to still include them in that, in this, in this race, they're all, they're all kind of like teetering and it's, it's, it's someone's going to fall. I think the Panthers, you could say maybe have fallen off the cliff, yeah. but it's really going to come down to who doesn't fall off the cliff uh, and who can stay on. I mean, do you remember that game Mario party? Um, for oh yeah. Sport? I still play it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's the best. And there's switch, that, yeah. th- there's that one mini game where like those guys bomb that little Island that you're all on mm. and you got to like balance on this line yeah. Island. And the last one, that's kind of what, what the uh, wild card race mm. is right now. Um, and, it's it's really just going to come down to outlasting whoever. Uh, I feel like just Jeff Probst. You know, it's coming down to outwitting and outlasting more th- more than beating anybody. Right. Yeah. And and we would not have said that two months ago when everybody was winning like it was crazy. So, uh, yeah. No, it's true. And you know the fact that again, the, if the if the Islanders schedule, if the Islanders had, you know had been the same, but their compatriots in the Metro had been winning, we would now be talking to you from outside of the playoff bubble. But because things have shook out the way they have, the Islanders right now are in the first wild card. Uh, and again, they need they need points to solidify that spot and and keep it. Because like you said, if not, the ground is going to give way underneath them. Uh, by the way, Mario Party for the Switch, not that good. Mario Party 10 for the Wii U is actually very, very good. That's our favorite <laughs> one. Uh, all right. So uh, we are going to take a short break. and We're going to come back and we're going to do a little potpourri. We're going to have all kinds of stuff because a lot of other stuff happened for the Islanders this week beyond two very embarrassing games. All right. So come back with us in a minute. And we'll talk about those then. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Have you ever heard of the Saginaw Gears? Sure you have. They used to play in the IHL back in the 80s and 90s, and they've come back a few more times. VintageIceHockey.com has Saginaw Gears uh, merchandise. If you're a little bit older and you remember a team from called the Pittsburgh Yellow Jackets, which... Uh, was uh, a team, an amateur club from 1922. I right, maybe you're not that old, but if you are into uh, really old teams like that, they have those too at vintageicehockey.com. They also have our Lighthouse Hockey t-shirts, our Al Arbor t-shirts, and they have a code, uh, Lighthouse15, which will save you 15% off your order. If you buy a Lighthouse Hockey t-shirt 
or you use that code, our portion goes right to the Center for Dementia Research. So you can get a cool shirt, you can save some bucks, and you can make a donation. It's pretty cool. VintageIceHockey.com. Go there. You won't be disappointed. Uh, okay, so Islanders had a big week regardless of the games that they played. And we're going to start with Saturday's um, ceremony for Butch Goring. His number was retired. Uh, another great ceremony by the Islanders. Uh, kudos to them. They, they did a great job again. Uh, this one, a little bit different than than John Tonelli's. Tonelli's, you know, he was very kind of short in his his uh, speech. Uh, everybody was very quiet. It was a, sort of a more solemn occasion. But uh, Butch, <laughs> first of all, it looked like he was—he could barely get a word out because he was very emotional right from the jump. Uh, but then he sort of settled in, and then he went to the handheld mic, and then Butch became Dean Martin. And all of a sudden, it was like roast time, and he was going down the line with all of his, his teammates, and he was telling funny stories, and he thanked Clark Gillies for protecting his ass a lot while he was out there. So uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, put a smile on a lot of people's faces, and uh, that was a really long time coming. So, again, great job by the Islanders. I mean, this is too too two number retirement ceremonies that they really knocked out of the park and everybody loved it. Oh yeah. And Butch was also like Cal Clutterbuck. We used to have Dwayne Sutter. You would have liked him. He was always chirping in, in people's ears the whole time too. And you know, we had Bob Bourne. He was a speedster and I would like to see him go up against Mart Barzell because of course it wouldn't be Butch without a mispronunciation of somebody's name, even Matt Barzell. So uh, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Did you, did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah. And, and I thought it was great and, and it was warm. It made, and I think what ended up happening a little bit was, there's there's definitely some awkwardness in um, Butch's number and the fact that they retired it here, uh, you know, 20 years after his career ended or whatever it's been, and I guess close to 30. But um, the people people who are like, you know, he doesn't, I don't know if he deserve, he's deserving of having his number retired. He's only had, I saw some people being like, you know, he's had 188 points or whatever he had in his 300 plus games as an Islander. I just, I, it, it, it always blows my mind. Uh, when people just kind of look, you're not just looking at the fact that he was a, just a semi-productive forward or everyone, whatever you want to call him, a middle six uh, winger. He, yeah, sure. He was. And, and you can probably find a comparable, maybe he's, he's, you know, a Josh Bailey type player, like that kind of level of production, but you're not retiring his number because Butch Goring was a superstar. You're retiring his number because people love him like they love him he he is and he he, what he means to the organization transcends what he his production level on the ice and first of all he won four stanley cups in a row and he was the guy (laughs) that came over at the deadline to kind of jolt this team to those four stanley cups that in itself probably deserves uh you know you're getting your number retired and, and whatever but he's been around the organization for so long and this is an organization that uh for how, you know, for the for the lion's share of the past twenty five years, basically since Goring retired, has just been a clown show, and he stood by it. And uh, he's he, you know, that you hear like pride and Islanders pride, and Tonelli talked about it a lot, and like you know what it means to be an Islander and stuff. And uh, it's really hard to fathom that kind of stuff if you're like around my age. And and we're, I was born, you know, eight years after they won their last Stanley Cup, and um, because the only word the Islander, the Islanders were a laughing stock. There was no pride in being an Islander for a very long time. Uh, so what, what Butch Goring represents as, as like a human being and as a part of this community is much more important than, than the stuff he did on the ice. So I don't understand. Um, like, if you want to say like, Oh, the Islanders are doing this, you know, as, as kind of like a needle to John Tavares, go right ahead and say it. Like, I, and, and if they are good on them, like that's part of being, you know, a fan is like enjoying that kind of stuff. I think, we all we all like when when these teams kind of poke you know 
poke fun at the others and at their rivals and when GMs offer sheet one other players because you know you're competing with these guys and it's who cares if if that that was weighed into the decision it was that they want to you know you know they want to they want to mess with John Tavares and, and the Leafs a little bit by doing this the year after he leaves and almost a year to the day from his return like that's fine if that's part of sports it's, it's fun to do the kind of stuff like that and I uh I, I just I was so shocked because I didn't think uh, I didn't see anyone really getting upset until I guess it came and you know mm. his jersey was actually being retired and people were like you know he really does I don't know if he really deserves it and I just said you know I was getting upset because he he might not have the numbers of a hall of famer but he he's been part of the team for for his this whole his whole life he calls the games he mm. can't say anyone's name he can't say he doesn't know the names <laughs> of the teams but that doesn't matter like this is this is a guy who's a part of like this whole caravan uh that just is, doesn't make any sense to begin with so I just don't understand that people can't see past that and be like, you know, he should be honored for for like the, the, his stick, the way he stuck by this organization and, and what the, the amount of time and stuff he's given to it, uh, both on and off the ice. So I, I was I was thrilled to see it go up. There's nothing more hockey than complaining that another team is retired. Jersey doesn't deserve retirement, right? Like. You know, hockey fans complain about the minutia of the game so much. I don't see anybody really complaining that, you know, you know, Tom Seaver really shouldn't have been retired, had his number retired by the Mets. Like, nobody says that, you know, like, it's not like, you know, I'm surprised nobody goes to Nets games and it's like, why is Dr. J's number in black and white here? He didn't wore that jersey. Well, it just is like, it's just, it's fun, you know, but in hockey, you people complain about Butch Goring's number getting retired. I remember, I'm I'm almost certain I've said this on this show probably twice before, but I remember when Matt Martin made his return to the Coliseum after signing with the Leafs and they gave him the video and the tribute. And I saw a lot of Leafs people I followed at the time were like, why do they care? He's just a goon. It's like, no, Matt Martin is a little bit more than that to us. Like he's a meaningful player and he's, he came back for a reason. He's the mayor. Like he, everybody loves Matt Martin on Long Island. So this is a lot the same, you know, Butch. And I wrote a whole article about this. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Butch's numbers when he came to the Islanders weren't as good as they were when he had when he was with the Kings. Personally, I think he should be a Hall of Famer. Like I just to me, that guy, I mean, his numbers were crazy. He won four cups. I don't know what else he needs to do to get into the Hall of Fame. But um, you know, yeah, the numbers weren't that great, but you're right. He was the exact right player to help them win four straight Stanley Cups. And then when he was done, he came back, he coached their minor league teams to great success for uh, about 10 years. Then he came back. He was the head coach for a while. Then he came back and he's a broadcaster and and he's just, he's a guy who bleeds blue and orange. Like he just loves this team so much. And I'm surprised the Kings haven't retired his number, but maybe he just doesn't care. Like, cause the Islanders have too. So I don't know how you could look at that guy's face and not, and not, you know, believe that he should have had his number retired because mm-hmm. nobody has few people have given more to this organization over the last 40 years than Butch Goring. And it's just, right. I don't know. I, I just also like, man, why do you got to complain about other people's retiring other people's jerseys? I don't get it. Really don't <laughs> it understand. makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah, to yeah, Butch congratulations, and, to, and Butch. to the Islanders, and, man. It, it's it's yeah. it, it's been uh, it's been great. I, I one thing I wanted to say about the Bruins game was I was at the Bruins game at Barclays, much better game, mm. and this game, and it's just because I guess partly because of the ceremony, like, and I said this on the last show, like, the, just the game experience keeps getting better every game at the Coliseum, and uh, so once again, kudos. Uh, Kudos to the Islanders and and that Stafford for raising that level. Well, here's the good news. Uh, The game experience at Barclays Center isn't going to be around for much longer because (laughs) right after the Butch Goring, that's a segue right there. Right after the, uh, the, 
<laughs> Thanks. Uh, right after the, the Butch Goring number retirement ceremony, uh, Governor Cuomo was there again. Uh, and again, it's never not going to be weird when you see the governor talking about the Islanders. But uh, he was there to announce something that Newsday's Randy Marshall had broken the day before, which was that um, all of the games for this year's playoff rounds will be played at Nassau Coliseum, in addition to all of next year's games and any playoff games uh, to be played at Nassau Coliseum. And so the Barclays Center experience for the Islanders has three games left in it. That's Tuesday against Montreal the following Tuesday, the 17th against Calgary. And then finally Sunday, the 22nd against Carolina. That game, by the way, is uh, Marvel superheroes day. And they're giving out to the first 10,000 fans and Islanders, Iron Man bobblehead. So I was going to go to the game against Calgary, but now I absolutely need to go to that game against Carolina. I know they're going to lose it, but I want that Iron Man Islanders bobblehead to put on my mantle. So uh, if you haven't been to Barclays or you've been going and have been enjoying yourself and enjoying the proximity to the subway and, and mass transit, like I know I have, uh, you're going to want to go to one of these games because after that it stops. And, you know, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about this and, and it's, you know, I mean, I, I think this topic has probably taken up more of our, I would, if you broke down like our list of topics on in the run of this show, I bet it's like John Tavares, number one, Barclays Center slash NASA Coliseum number two, and then everything else number yeah, probably three. Probably Brian Strait number three. Brian Strait. Oh, and Joshua Sang is on that list. We'll get to <laughs> yeah, him in a yeah. minute too. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think this is this has been a long time coming. It, it you know the mistakes were made with the the franchise moving to Brooklyn very early by lots and lots of people, mostly by Brett Yormark, but you know he wasn't alone in this. And could it have worked out? Sure, but it would have taken a lot more preparation and a lot more sort of uh, gentle, you know, handle with care kind of situation stuff. And it's, it never did. And I think that well was kind of poison from the beginning. And now to have been finally done with it, to move everybody to the Coliseum, they've made $6 million in updates. Cuomo said, which, yeah, okay. you know, are you, <laughs> yeah, I know. Here's the thing. Like you're not going to see it. I'm not going to see it when you're sitting in the seats. It's the same seats. Those, those, those improvements went to the stuff the NHL really cares about, which is broadcast infrastructure. <laughs> they need to be able to broadcast these games to Hockey Night in Canada or NBCSN in the event that the Islanders go to an Eastern Conference final or a Stanley Cup final. That was That's the problem. I mean, there's probably like locker room stuff going on in there, but that $6 million is not going to be seen by you, me, or anybody else that's just buying a ticket and walking through the door. This stuff was to fix that kind of stuff, <laughs> media stuff, maybe player stuff, um, but it had to be done and they did it. And so now they're here and um, yeah, you know, I'm going to miss Barclays uh, because, you know, I, I, it's an easier way to see a game. I'm going to miss taking that 25 minute subway ride and checking out my team on a Tuesday night and then going back home. Um, but ultimately this is all done because Belmont is coming every single day. I look at that live uh, feed on the Islanders website and I just make sure, remind myself this place is coming. So this is all until 2021 when the Islanders can just, Take that twenty-minute drive down Nessa, uh, down Hempstead Turnpike, and show up at Barclays and uh, at uh, Belmont, and that's their home, and that's it. And so, you know, good on the Islanders for making this happen. And uh, you know, maybe we can all stop the complaining at least for a little while, mm -hmm. uh, especially when we'll be doing any more split playoff series. Thank God, because that did not work out <laughs> for anybody last time. The uh, the way I was thinking about it was, you can make a list of all the things that went right at Barclays Center, and things things there would be things on it. There would be legitimate stuff, and obviously first and foremost that it was in New York and wasn't uh in Kansas City or Hamilton or wherever else uh in around 
North America. And, you know, there was some other good stuff. Like the, I've always said, like the, the people who work at Barclays are super nice and they were genuinely excited when the Islanders first started playing there. Like they loved how crazy hockey fans were and uh, were just like a different Islander fans are a little bit of a different breed compared to probably the fan bases that they see for, you know, whether it be the Nets or, you know, concerts or whatever, it's just a completely different environment to be in a hockey game. And, and especially like during the playoff series against uh, the Panthers and the Lightning that year. Um, so, I mean, there were some, there were some really good things that came out of it, but the list of things that went wrong uh, would just way trump, <laughs> yeah, would just trump yeah. that, that list by uh, pages and pages and pages. And I think the thing that is the most upsetting about it is like, there was a, a group of fans and a, a not a small one that, yeah, like you said, like this is a, a huge boost in convenience for a lot of people, uh, you know, whether they worked in the city or lived in the area or whatever. Uh, obviously there was also a, a group of fans that ma- it made life a lot harder for them to, to get to the games, but uh, there you can't, you can't forget that. Like this, the Barclays center was not, you know, universally panned by Islander fans. It, I mean, it, it was mocked by everybody. And it was not a the, the best thing, but there were people and you you just you should respect the people that are going to be upset that, that, that they're not going to be able to take the subway to the game anymore and whatever. And uh, because, you know, that that's that's tough for them. But in the end, I mean, it just came down to and you said it like Brett Yarmark, a uh, adversary of mine, he, uh, he him and his uh, fellow fat cats, they kind of just underestimated what they were getting into and didn't put in any sort of they didn't even pretend to put in the effort to understand the fan base they basically wanted to take a, a fan base that uh sure small but in, defined by their passion and and their community and uh tried to turn it into the uh cookie cutter sport fan experience which uh is kind of you know the easy way out like let's just you know put these guys in a box and uh with everybody else and just b- plug in our our game experience with, with them and, and let it and then we'll just send them home on the train and that'll, that'll be that. And that is not what Islander fans wanted. Like they, they don't want to go to a game where there's just loud music playing and t-shirt guns blaring every, every whistle and, and all sorts of stuff. They just, they don't care. They just want to watch the game. They want to hope their team wins. And that was a, that the, the whole point of being a fan, going to root for your team and with pe- fellow minded people was too complicated and too foreign for these people who are so out of touch to understand. And that's uh, that's where they swung and missed, and that is why they have been vilified uh, by the fan base. And, and like you said, like your mark, a lot of other people, rightfully so. But yeah, it's it's great news. I was so excited. Um, did not, especially didn't think that the playoffs would, because every time Bettman, uh, right. you know, in the NHL would release a press release, they basically made fun of the Nassau Coliseum. Like, they were, <laughs> just like, not a major league arena yeah. anymore. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you can't, like, and then uh, obviously it's uh it is, it is, it, it just took $6 million from the state. And like you said, <laughs> you know, wh- wherever that money went, you know, this is, uh this is not, not for us to ever find out. And if you do find out, it's not, a, not going to be a good thing for you. So don't go looking, mm. but uh, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. the, uh, it's just it's just funny how it all played out, and that uh, Governor Cuomo, uh, like again, just pops up in the in the middle of uh, in the middle of Nassau Coliseum parking lot to to, to do this. It's that is yeah. not if you told me when the Islanders started at Barclays that this is you know it, it was going to all kind of come to a head with Governor Cuomo giving a speech at Nassau Coliseum. I would uh, 
I don't know what I would do. I would just probably start sweating and faint. He started talking about I I grew up watching. I can't do the voice, but it, like I grew up watching <laughs> the Islanders, and it meant a lot for Long Island, like that. So, uh, yeah, he's and if this if this arena, I was joking with my wife. I was like, if this arena isn't called Andrew Cuomo Arena or Mario Cuomo Arena, I'll be very surprised because he's taken a great great interest in the fortunes of this team. Yeah, there's something uh, but, coming. Uh, yeah, something is definitely uh, he's going to be made, named like you know team CEO or something whenever he's he's out of office. But uh, yeah, it's just you know it it is it is cool that it's happening again, but that that uh, Belmont is happening and that they've decided to make this this happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, part of me is going to be a little bit sad for Barclays Center, and and I do hope that you know we got to remember too. Yeah, they they made fans while they were there. I mean, all you got to do is look around and be like, yeah, you know, there are people that wouldn't be into the Islanders if not if it, they hadn't played in Brooklyn for five years. And so I hope those people too don't, don't kind of feel alienated. I hope that they, they find the time to get out to the Coliseum and, and are welcome there as well. You know, cause I mean, you know, a lot of people did, would not have had that experience if they, if they Islanders hadn't played there. Although my, my wife went to a concert, she went to see Cher uh, at Barclays with uh, our brother-in-law and they had a, they were with his friends beforehand at a party uh, and they lived near there. And, after a while they were walking to the arena and my wife was like, Oh man, my, my husband would love this uh, that you could walk to Barclays center. And they were like, Oh yeah, really? Why? And he, she was like, well, he's an Islanders fan. And they looked at her like, what does that have to do with anything? And he's like, she's like the hockey game, the hockey team, you know, they play here and they were like, Oh, that's why everybody wears those, like the jerseys with the blue. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you, know, you ever notice that there's a whole bunch of people here. Like, Oh yeah, we noticed them, but we didn't know where they were doing. It's like, yeah, there's a hockey team that plays here. So <laughs> that group, maybe you're not going to meet, but you know, there are people that, you know, bring their kids there and, and the tickets are cheap and they bring, you know, they probably go to a Nets game and are like, yeah, let me check out this hockey team. So, you know, those people really, they deserve some time too. And yeah, I'd like to hear from, you know, if, I'd like to hear yeah. from people like that because this the Islander fan base is always given so much credit for being a uh, you know been there forever uh, type of fan base like been through the highs and lows but they're not going to survive like that you need you need new yeah. fans like you, you, you can't people have bashed bandwagon fans for for no reason forever in sports and uh, I, I mean you I always get really excited when you hear when I when I meet someone from you know overseas or from somewhere in Canada uh that they're like no i'm an islander fan and and then they explained their kind of how they fell into this existence and uh to me i would i would love to hear from some people who yeah they, they maybe they didn't watch hockey or didn't have a team or they moved to brooklyn from somewhere else and found the islanders because of that because there there is like in three years or five years from now you're going to see that this move will have some uh will pay off in some way and that's probably the, the way it, it it does the most And that's a perfect segue for me to say, if you are an Islanders fan and you would like to share your most favorite Islanders game story with us, we have a number for that. It's 646-980-8857. You can call uh, and leave a voicemail and tell us about your most memorable Islanders game experience. If you are a Brooklyn-based Islanders fan and you have a great memory of of Barclays Center and a game that really meant something to you that they played there, that's perfect. We want to hear that. You know, it's the number is six, four, six, nine, eight, zero, eight, eight, five, seven. And then when I collect enough of them, uh, we put them into the, my favorite Islanders game podcast and everybody can listen to it. So we need calls, please call. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the kind of thing we want a fan who, 
you know, maybe wasn't into the Islanders, wasn't into hockey, took in a game because you could get to the game at the, you know, by the subway or it was cheap and they were playing in Brooklyn and he would, he could make it there uh, or she could make it there and uh, enjoyed it and is now a fan. So please let us know. Yep. Or if, you know, you have any other Islanders, memorable Islanders game story, we want to hear about it. 646-980-8857. One, one more thing I do have to, to point out that was a huge pro from their move to Barclays Center was when they had uh, Mikhail Grabrowski and, uh, Nikolai Kuhlman mm. and uh, th- those two were just great across the board. And obviously Brooklyn, especially South Brooklyn, the uh, Brighton beach uh, area, Sheepshead Bay is, 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 is very, very Russian. And they, uh, they made the most of it. And so mm. we didn't, we got, we got some cool, you know, videos uh, from those guys and uh, some funny sound bites. And uh, we would never have had that. I don't think if, uh, mm. if they didn't do that. Yeah, they never really sort of took advantage of the whole Russian <laughs> everything. They weren't in Brooklyn long enough to, exactly. I guess not. But yeah, so um, well, one guy who won't be seeing an Islanders home game, whether it's in Brooklyn, Nassau County, or really anywhere else for I guess a little while now, was Josh Hosang. And Josh was in Bridgeport uh, since he came back from his uh, his uh, hiatus there when he he had requested a trade a while back, or at least asked for a trade a while back. Lou Lamarello said, "We'll try and do what we can." Josh, we want you to stay away until we figure something out. Josh came back in December. He played for the Sound Tigers. He got hurt. He came back. And now this week, he was assigned to San Antonio of the AHL, which is not an Islanders affiliate. Uh, That's the Blues affiliate, actually. It was right after the Blues game, in fact. And uh, it's a little bit odd. Uh, It's not that rare. In fact, a couple of days later, Keith Kincaid of the Canadians, who you may remember from his Devils days, who obviously grew up an Islanders fan. We've heard that story a hundred times. He was assigned from the Canadians uh, Montreal uh, farm team in Laval to Charlotte Checkers, uh, which is the Hurricanes farm team because they need goalies. Uh, And so it's the same thing. Like, I think He's not coming back. He's had a rough time with it. They have like a thousand goalies there. He never plays. And so this is sort of like, you know, okay, man, we'll see you later once we break it off with you. So does this mean the end of Hosang's time with the Islanders? Well, we don't know. Uh, He is an RFA at the end of the year. He does need a qualifying offer. Uh, He is arbitration eligible. So there's a chance that they don't qualify him and he just becomes a free agent. I mean, that that probably seems to be the, make the most sense. Um, But it is weird that they just were like, no, you can go away now. And he just, he's gone. And of course he plays a game in San Antonio and he was the number one star. I think he had a goal and an assist <laughs> and uh, he got uh, some hearty high fives from his uh, his new teammates. So, um, you know, I don't think the Blues are necessarily looking to pick him up, although Michael Fornabio of the Connecticut Post you know, said that maybe they're kicking the tires on him. So we'll just have to wait and see. But this is, you know, once again, it's it's the story is always about twists and turns with Josh. There's never a straight line. Uh, and it's always something out of the clear blue sky with him. And this is, this is, I probably, sh- we probably should have seen this coming because it, we never would have seen it coming. Does that make sense? Like expect the unexpected <laughs> exactly. type of thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but it probably means this probably is a sign that they're probably not going to qualify him at the end of the year, but it is a new twist. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. He, uh, he's someone where you, uh, I always think about this with boxing matches is the first thing you want to do when you're handicapping a boxing match is think about what the most unlikely scenario is and then kind of work from there. Uh, <laughs> with with Hosang, it's the same thing. You want to sit down and think about what is the most unlikely thing for him for him to happen. Is it go to Russia? No, that would be way, like you said, that's that's too straight a line for him. Yeah, that'd be easy. You yeah. know, <laughs> oh, is he just, he's going to go play, uh, you know, he's just going to be a beer league player until the Islanders are 
let him go. No, that's way too easy. He's going to actually, what he's going to do is he's going to come back to Bridgeport and then do something to piss someone off uh, and find his way to play for another AHL team while he's still <laughs> Islander, a member of the Islanders organization. So uh, yeah, I mean, good God, I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's, it's something, it's almost like, you know, the Barclays Center, like, it's just the list of things that you love about Josh saying and the list of things that just drive you mad. The list of things that just drive you mad are just going to far, it's going to be you know seven more pages than the other one. And it's really too bad because he was somebody um, that I just really wanted to root for. I mean, he, just, he, he seemed like a really cool guy, yeah. a different guy. And I want, I really wanted to be able to brag to other people. Yeah, no, no, that's our guy. Like he's our guy. Um, and that's not going to come to fruition, so it's uh, too bad. But, I mean, at this point, who knows? I mean, we the Islanders gave him six chances, seven chances, whatever you want to say. So there, I don't really know how uh, – sure, maybe the Islanders mishandled him at some points, but uh, there's uh, definitely some – he's got to do some inner reflection or something somewhere, I, I would assume, um, yeah. and try to figure it out. But, you know, obviously wish wish – Wish Josh the best, whether it's in San Antonio or if he's playing for Jokerit or you know, <laughs> Red Bull Salzburg, wherever he ends up, like he he will definitely be someone that um, you know three years from now you're like, oh, you see Josh saying just scored a hat trick uh, for in the Spangler Cup or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> it just it, we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but yeah, that saga is uh, it, it it was like a uh, I, I wouldn't I don't really read uh, embarrassing enough. I don't really read books, mm. but. Uh, it seems like the type of thing where like it was like a great first book in a trilogy or something, and then like the mm-hmm. next three or four books uh, in the series uh, mm-hmm. just completely disappointed. Yeah, that's like Dune for me. I love the first Dune; it's one of my favorite books. And then all of a sudden, then all the sequels were like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> this is not what I signed up mm-hmm. for. Um, see, but see, it's funny because like the Spangler Cup thing made me laugh, but at the same time, like that—that's again, that's too normal. Like that's the kind of thing that norm, <laughs> normal players would do. So like I could I could see Josh like showing up in an Olympic in an Olympic team playing for a team that has no bit like how how is Josh Hosang on the Italian Olympic team? Oh, he got <laughs> Italian citizenship. Like what? You know, so I could see something like that happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of, you know, oh, I wish they had given him a chance. It's so sad they didn't give him a chance. I'm not saying the Islanders are innocent in all this. I mean, God knows that they've had a ton of upheaval since then. You know, first it was Snow and Capuano, and then obviously Snow and Wade, and now Lamorello and Trotz. And I'm not saying that everybody handled this guy the best they could. Josh, though, did tell Arthur Staple he loves everybody in the organization, and he's got a lot of respect for everybody. So I don't think it's that. But, you know, what? on a purely, like, objective level, you look at what this guy's output has been in the AHL, and it's like it's barely half a point a game. And it's like... I want this guy to to excuse me. I want this guy to to succeed. You want this guy to succeed. We all want this guy to succeed. But man, when you go down to the bridge to Bridgeport and you're you know maybe getting half a point a game and you have these great games where you you know you have three or four assists in a game, um, but then you go months without scoring a goal. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the team really can do. Like you're you're kind of not really forcing their hand and like making them sit up and take notice and be like, yes, we need to get this guy. You know, God, Kiefer Bellows, his you know NHL time was kind of short, and and it you know he's probably going to be he's going to be playing in Bridgeport now. Lamorello said at the trade deadline for the rest of the season, but like you know he had an unbelievable month and a half. And so when the Islanders need to call somebody up, they made the call to to get Kiefer Bellows up here, and you know he had changed his game, so he got their attention. With Josh, it's always been like, you know, yeah, they should call him up because he's got talent. Like, yeah, he's got talent, but what's he doing? Oh, he's got, you know, 
16 points in 40 games. Well, I guess it's okay, you know, but um, he just never really got that part of it down. And so, again, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Islanders. Uh, you know, they, they, I'm sure somewhere along the line, they made mistakes. The whole, yeah, they couldn't find a trade partner for him. Obviously, they probably could have made something happen. But, uh, and even stuff before that, you know, I mean, regardless of whatever happened with Lamorello and Tross, what happened with Snow and whoever else. Um, but, yeah, it just ends up being kind of a shame. So, We'll just uh, again, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was I wrote that story and then was reading the comments and was kind of dreading them a little bit. But a lot of them said the same thing you just did. Hey, good luck to Josh wherever he ends up. You know what? At this point, good luck to you. <laughs> you know, wherever it's San Antonio or Bridgeport or wherever, best of luck. You know, we try to make it work and it just didn't work. So yeah, it's it, it's funny. It's it, it was uh, Josh Hosang's time with the Islanders went out not with a bang but a rampage. Wow, that's good. I like that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> the, but it's just funny that like yeah like we we're saying that's just the, the last case scenario um and 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 as far as islander like islander things that have gone on it's if if this uh if this this story which you'd think would be a big much bigger deal considering the islanders and islander fans relationship with with hosang it's just so far down the totem pole on things that we really need to be worried about right now yeah, exactly. The whole that whole playoff spot thing is definitely kind of a bigger deal than than Josh Hosang at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so we'll just but it was it did kind of come again, like like, this, you know, par for the course with Josh. All of a sudden it just shows up and you see this tweet that's like hey, the Islanders have assigned Josh Hosang to San Antonio, the AHL. And you're like, wait, what? Did I read that correctly? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just, you know, like, as always, we'll just have to kind of see. Where it goes from here, and I, I'm sure wherever it goes, it won't be what where we're expecting it to go. Because again, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, I just realized that I never came up with a uh, he was an Islander this week, but then it occurred to me, you know, when I was watching uh, Butch Goring's number retirement. Um, you know, it's funny, like you, you mentioned before, like this is a guy who won four Stanley Cups, and I, that in and of itself is probably grounds for number retirement. Um, but the problem is that that team had 16 guys that <laughs> won four Stanley Cups. And I think, you know, part of the problem with the Islanders is that you could any a lot of those guys have a case to be made to have their number retired. Bob Bourne obviously is a big one. He was a he was a huge player for the Islanders even before the cup years. I mean, he he and and Gillies came around at the same time and he had that speed and he's just a legend for people that watched him. He's just an indelible image. Um, but you know, for me the guy who might deserve getting his number retired. And this is our, you know, he's not going to because there's enough banners up there already. But uh, if you're talking about guys who gave a lot of themselves to the Islanders, how about Ken Morrow? I mean, this guy walked off the ice getting a gold medal. He walked onto the Islanders. They won four straight Stanley Cups, went to five finals. He didn't play long, but then as soon as he retired, he went right into the front office. He was the general manager of their AHL team for a while. And he's been like their head scout for 25 or 30 years. I mean, Jeez, this team hasn't had a spent a day without Ken Morrow on its payroll in forty something years. So that's my that would be my pick. Ken Morrow, yeah. he was an Islander. Nobody's gonna forget Ken Morrow was an Islander, obviously. But like, I don't know, man. I feel like more people should be mentioning. Holy cow, Ken Morrow was really good. Why yeah. isn't his number up there? It's he's um so that that he was at they they did like a little uh, montage for him went at the uh, Tonelli game, and mm-hmm. I was with Emily, and she said like, oh. This, oh, this guy played for the Islanders too? And I was like, yeah, he won four Stanley Cups. She's like, he he won the gold medal in the Miracle on Ice and then won four <laughs> Stanley Cups in a row. I was, I was like, yeah, she goes, that's a big deal. And I was like, you're right. Like, I don't know why he's that. Why, he yeah. seems like such like a, a down-to-earth kind of like quiet guy right. that I guess that's probably part of it. But it is funny that like not more people talk about that. Like they should probably say that before every game. Be like, just a yeah. reminder, 
the Islanders once had a guy who won the, <laughs> won the gold medal for the 1980 Olympic team, perhaps the most important sport moment in the country, and then won four straight Stanley Cups. Um, so just remember that and let's start the game because that is just <laughs> insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I feel I, like I, I was just gonna say, I, I, I love seeing him around. He just has a face that like kind of warms you up. Yeah. Well, mo- mostly with the beard, but he doesn't have the beard now, obviously, because uh, it's the Lamorello Islanders. But yeah, no, I just I, I definitely agree. Um, and I forget what year it was, but it wasn't, you know, well, also people forget this. This was a big deal when it happened, too. So, well, Morrow won the gold medal, won the Stanley Cup in 1980. And then it was like 25 or six years before somebody else did that before. And it was Steve Eiserman and Brendan Shanahan that did it. And I don't remember what year the Red Wings won the cup that made them that, uh, you know, the, I guess it was uh, probably 90, 97, I guess, or no, it was 98. It was probably not. Yeah. It was Nagano, I think in 98, uh, where they won the gold medal. No, wait, that was, well, that was, that was the checks. I think, well, in any event, <laughs> it was Shanahan and, and Iserman that, that did it, that won the Stanley cup and won the gold medal in the, in the same year. And it was like the first time since Ken Morrow was the only guy that had done that for 25, whatever years. And, and then it's just poof, all of a sudden it's gone. And now a bunch of other guys have done it too, but that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, the wolf, and he also had a great nickname, the wolf man. So the wolf man go wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Ken the, Morrow uh, was an Islander. I said so, the one, the one guy who I thought would, uh, would be interesting as a as a candidate for he was an islander was uh and he, he's obviously not forgetful either but just someone who i always laugh a little bit because i think i forget that he played for the bruins a little bit was uh mary Strakowski. um yeah so yeah i saw someone with a Tchaikovsky jersey at the uh an yeah. islander one not a bruin one that would have been a bruins yeah. one would have been weird but i saw someone uh i just love seeing his name on the back on the back of uh yeah. of a jersey um and so i just i miss him He's a tough one to do as a he's an Islander because we could probably do a whole episode with that guy because he was yeah, just, absolutely. he's such a, you know, for two years, he was their best offensive player. And I think even he would probably find that funny. Like, you know, it's just like, that's, that's a bad sign when Mary Strakowski is your best <laughs> player. But you know, when he had, when he had the puck, he was pretty good. And then when he went to teams where he didn't have the puck so much. You know, he, he didn't really have as much time to do with it. But, yeah, he was a really good player. Yeah, you see him in his jersey every once yeah, in a while. But yeah. he was a Bruin for a very short time. It's uh, a – on that list. And it's like Isbister's on it too where, like, mm. you're going to – Claude point. you're going to see at least one of each of their jerseys at, at, a, at a well-attended Islander game. So Oh, yeah, definitely. Wow, Isbister. I don't know if I've ever seen an Isbister jersey. I see one every time. Outside of that time, you know. There's some, I think there might be someone who just sits in my section that maybe just has that and that's their, like – game jersey but i i yeah. i see in his mr jersey at least once a game jeez that's got to be some family member of brad is <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah maybe uh that'll be a good one well if you're into former islanders then you should check out uh our one of our other podcasts lighthouse look back noel had a, a great interview with graham townsend it was awesome he talked about josh hosang he talked about his time with the islanders he didn't spend a lot of games with them but uh it's a really interesting dude he runs a hockey camp now and uh yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool conversation, so you should check that out. Uh, there's going to be a new PT Isles shortly this week. There's going to be a new Isles buzz this week. And on Wednesday, there's going to be a new Islanders award winners uh, about Mike Bossy and Pierre Turgeon, who won the Lady Bing trophies uh, in 1983, 84, and 86, and 93. So check it out. It's all about 
hockey fighting and and injuries and violence and uh there's a lot there i i I was actually afraid that there wasn't going to be enough material but i was wrong and it turned out to be the longest episode of the season so check that out (laughs) on wednesday and check out all of our great podcasts you can subscribe to lighthouse hockey podcast and then you get all of them so it's pretty awesome you can listen to dan and noel you could listen to joe you listen to us it's a great time you should check out lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion i knew we were going to forget a topic i totally forgot that the JG Pajot trade has the Islanders listed as losers and a lot of trade deadline breakdowns. I'm just going to go ahead and say you're wrong. He's a great player. <laughs> He's exactly what the Islanders needed. And uh, that just shows uh, how little people pay attention to this team. So there you go. There's my spiel. <laughs> yeah. I could have said it better myself. I mean, that what when you watch him, you're like, what team couldn't use this guy? Like, I don't understand. Like I, I know. I'd, I'd yeah. pay a first round pick for this yeah. guy every year. Mm. Yeah, I know. He's jumping into fights. He's got a haircut. And the way Trot said to, uh, you know, the picks are nothing. I, I love that too. But uh, I think that was like a little bit <laughs> yeah. of a troll job at, at those kind of analysts. That's uh, That was another great line too. I should add that to the the trots, uh, the Tower of Trots list. I totally forgot about that. But uh, yeah, and then I love that his dad comes on the dad's trip and uh, he's great. Jean Pajot, he was on the Ottawa dad's trip this year. Now he gets to go on the Islanders dad's trip. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that he is the new Fritz Nielsen. He's the most interesting dad to me I, I miss i miss seeing fritz nielsen out there on the dad's trip but jean pajot i think he'll do just fine so there you go i uh, was chilling with uh derek brassard dad and bovillier's dad a little french connection thing going on shannon hogan talked to them so it was pretty cool uh anyway there you go so jean, jg pajot welcome thanks for fighting rangers you're a legend already we love you um where can people find you on twitter uh, it's the big lebowski with two e's Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. You can also read his work at Action Network. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, we'll be back, uh, I guess, sometime next week, uh, probably before that that Western Canada trip. That's always a lot of fun. Get your coffee ready. It's going to be some late games. Tuesday night, 10 o'clock start in Vancouver. That's always going to be a lot of fun. Maybe take the day off on Wednesday. It'll probably be spent. <laughs> but uh, Hopefully the Islanders can roll into that trip with a few points in their pocket because they're going to need them <laughs> because it's getting, it's getting tight out there. There's not a whole lot of, a lot of games left. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you then. All right. Bye-bye. Get it